Daughters of the Most High God. I'm glad you're here today. Are you glad you're here today? Yes. Are you really? Yes. Really, really? Good, good. You'd rather be here than in the best hospital in Nashville, wouldn't you? <laughs> Amen? Amen. Hey, you know, uh, life used to be simple, right? Uh, if you wanted coffee in the morning, you got some water and some coffee, beans, or something, and you mix them together and you had coffee, right? Mm. Pretty simple, right? Or if you, like my mom, like Sanka. Anybody remember Sanka? Water, two spoonsful of stirred up. Good stuff, right? Whew, nasty. <laughs> Heard that. You put enough milk and sugar in it, you could drink it, right? But that was pretty simple. A little Sanka, a little water, stirred up. It's good. And now you can go to a coffee store of your choosing, and you can get like 17 things mixed into one cup of coffee, right? Sugars, cream, some latte, some double latte, some triple latte, <laughs> espresso. I mean, you just every in one cup, right? It just comes out in one cup, and you know, life used to be simple: it's water, sanka, coffee, good to go, right? Well, Christianity started out very simple, very simple. It was it was Jesus, and he hung out with some people. And he said, hey, this is, how you, this is how you're supposed to live life. And so the early disciples that followed him around, they caught on quickly. It was like, pray for people who are sick. Uh, give money to people who are poor and in need. Uh, eat together from time to time. And enjoy one another's company. That's pretty good. And that was it. And so we've taken Christianity now. And we've turned it into some really nice big buildings. I read this week where one church in a state, not this state, spent $130 million building a 3,000-seat auditorium for their church. $130 million. I read this week also where an evangelist is, wants, a televangelist wants to buy his fourth airplane for $54 million. And he wants you to give. God told him he needed one. God, and he said that, uh, I think he's, what was the quote? That if Jesus were here, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. He'd been in his own private jet. That's what he said. $54 million. You can go online and look that up and make a donation if you'd like to. $54 million airplane. But we've just really complicated this thing called Christianity, church, religion. And man, mankind, mostly men, because, you know, women aren't allowed to do anything for Jesus, according to a lot of people. Not Jesus, but according to a lot of people. If you've been keeping up with all that this past few weeks. Um, and I'm so thankful that our anointing is not based on our anatomy, aren't you? Mm -hmm. It's based on the Holy Spirit just saying, here, do it. Whoever's willing gets the anointing. Whoever wants it gets the anointing. Whoever wants to be used by God will be used by God. Male, female. Young or old. Children or not children. Right? I see that hand. God wants to use all of you. He wants to use all of us. So somewhere along the way, it got kind of complicated. You know, uh, around 300 A.D., a guy named Alexander the Great had an epiphany. 
or as a movie hook says, you had an apostrophe. <laughs> if you're familiar with that movie, I just had an apostrophe. <laughs> just flashed right through my brain, it said. I bet that hurt, he said. You've seen the movie, good. Well, Alexander the Great was going to battle and he, had a, he was ready to do battle with this opposing army. And uh, the sun hit his shield a certain way and he saw the cross in the shield. And when he saw this cross reflection in it, he said, well, I'm going to follow Jesus now. And so that was his experience. And so because of that experience, he came to know Christ, he said, and freed Christians from being persecuted. But in the process, he sent his mother all around the Middle East to build shrines, buildings, over sacred places. So wherever Peter was buried, they built a building. Wherever Paul was buried, they built a building. Wherever James was buried, they built the building. Wherever Jesus was born, they built the building. Wherever Jesus died, they built the building. She had buildings built all over the place. And when you have a building, then somebody's got to take care of it, right? And then you have a, you got to appoint a board to oversee the building so you can have a building and grounds committee, right? Right? And then you've got to have more committees beside that. You've been in churches like this, right? And then the ultimate, I love this one, is you have to have a committee on committees. That's my favorite. You appoint a committee of people to appoint committees of committees. And so uh, then we decided that we've got buildings and we've got committees and we've got people overseeing. We've got to have somebody in charge. So we created this thing called a pope, right? Head guy. You've got to have one head guy. And so... They appointed the head guy. And the head guy thought, this is pretty cool. I've got a lot of power now. I can tell people what to do and where to go. And I can send them to heaven or hell because that's what popes do, right? Back in the day, they could do that. And so he kind of took over running the country. So whatever the pope wanted to do to run the country, he could do that. And the king had to bow down to him. And it became more complicated. You see how complicated it's become? What was it? In its original state. What, what was it Jesus came to do? He didn't come. He did not come to restart an old religion. Judaism. He didn't come to restart that. Crank it back up. Where we have all the feasts and all the stuff they did back in the day. He didn't come to start a new religion either. Christianity. He didn't come to start a denomination or a religion called Christianity. That wasn't his plan. He came to redeem and restore a relationship. That's the essence of what he did. Four things. We're going to talk about four things this morning. The essence of what he did. He had water. He had Sanka. He said, this is real simple. We've complicated it. Complicated it. Jesus wanted to restore us back to the way it was in the Garden of Eden. Where it was simple. Where man, man and woman, mankind lived in fullness and freedom with their Father. That's really what Jesus came to do. Anything else you see beyond that is a man-made construct that may be helpful in helping you live that way. It may be harmful in helping you live that way. It's something that man has made. It's not all bad. I'm not saying it's all bad. What I'm saying is we've kind of gotten off track with what God wanted us to be. What he wanted us to do. And I want to talk about that this morning. In Matthew chapter 22. 
Matthew chapter 22. You, you know this story. You know this passage very well. Matthew 22, verse 34 and following. <clears throat> Jesus was always being questioned by the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the rulers and teachers of the law and important people. And in the Jewish synagogue, we would say the Jewish church, to use our phrase, but the Jewish synagogue, there were, there were seven different appointed people. You had the ruler of the synagogue, you had the guy who did the preaching, you had the guy who led the singing, and there were, there were seven people that oversaw a synagogue at, its, at the head of it. And so they were always questioning Jesus, trying to trip him up to make him say something so they could accuse him and stone him or put him on the cross or do something bad to him. And so Jesus had already silenced the Sadducees, it says. And so the Pharisees got together and said, well, <laughs> they showed it to the Sadducees. We'll, we'll get him this time. And so one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What they were trying to find out was what, what of the ten is the most important? Because they knew if he picked one, they had him. If he just picked one, they had him. Of course, Jesus... He's the one that gave the law, right? He was on top of the mountain when Moses went up because Jesus always has been, always will be, right? He was there, so he gave the law. And so Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, Love your neighbors yourself, for all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus said, this, this is it. This, this, is the, this is the water and the sanka, right? This is it. This is, this is all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for you to build and, and, and fly in airplanes and you know, all these kinds. Of, that's not what I'm looking for. Sue, I'm looking for you to love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor like you love yourself. Sue, that's all I'm looking for. Mary, that's all I'm looking for. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor like you love yourself. That's all I'm looking for. That's what Jesus came to restore. You see, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, that was their assignment as well. The father walked in the garden in the cool of the day and had a conversation with him. That's, that's how you love God. You just simply talk to him. There are other things you can do. You can sing songs. That's great. You can, you can pray and praise. That's great. There, those are wonderful things. But the father simply says, hey, just show up and have a conversation with me. Can we talk? Can we just talk? And not necessarily talk about church stuff or religious stuff or the scriptures. Let's just talk. How was your day? How, Dwayne, how was your week? How was your day? To, how is your knee doing today, Dwayne? That's what the father wants to talk to you about. Father doesn't want to question you on how many times you went to church this month. Although some of you, I want to question you on that. <laughs> I won't point any fingers, but. <coughs> it was real simple. But there was a fourth. There was a fourth thing, too. And I'm going to go over all these in just a second. There was a fourth thing in the garden in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. God gave them one more commandment, one more assignment, one more request, if you will. <coughs> and that is 
to take care of the earth. To take care of the earth. So we have four things. And I've created a word this week. I have coined a new phrase this week. It's a brand new word. You've never seen this word before. Are you ready for it, Millie? Are you ready? The word is fortitude. Spelled F-O-U-R hyphen T-I-T-U-D-E. Fortitude. Now, I know how to spell it correctly for all of you English teachers sitting out here, Brenda. (laughs) Fortitude, spelled the correct way, means courage and strength in the face of a challenge. Fortitude. Fortitude, spelled my way, means building a better life and a better world. Building a better life for yourself and building a better world for people around you. Would you agree with me that we need a better world? Well, I want you to know that you have all you need in four things to build a better life for yourself and build a better world for those around you. Four things. Love God. Love yourself. Love others. And love creation. Love God. Love yourself. Love others. And love creation. Those four things will build a better life for you and a better life for others. That's all Jesus came to do. That's all he came to teach us. Live in the garden. Picture yourself living in a garden in fullness and freedom and fortitude. So how do we love God? Well, I think probably the ultimate way we love God, is like I've already said, is to have a conversation with him. But I think maybe the next thing after that is, is Thanksgiving. Just giving thanks. How many of you gave thanks this morning for your bowl of cereal? Oh, that, oh, that warm Pop-Tart. How many of you gave thanks that your dad put the Pop-Tart in the toaster for you and made sure it didn't burn? Did he make sure it didn't burn this morning? You didn't have Pop-Tarts? Bojangles. Bojangles, of course, I should know. <laughs> I should know. Did you tell your daddy thank you for the Bojangles? Did you tell that daddy thank you for the Bojangles? See, you got, you got to thank both dads, see. You got, see, that's good. That's good. You got two daddies to thank. Thanksgiving. I don't know that we're thankful enough. I would say we're not thankful enough. I would say those of us who live in America are not thankful enough to God for what we have. And so I think one of the ways that we can demonstrate love to God, perhaps more this coming week than we did last week, is by giving thanks. Thank you for your pillow. Thank you for your shoes. Do you have socks on this morning without holes? Anybody got socks on this morning with holes and want to admit it out loud? Anybody? <laughs> if you do, you have holy socks, and it's okay. <laughs> God's all about some holiness, right? He's all about, all about some holy socks. You like that one. Thank you. But did you give God thanks for your socks this morning? I'm being serious. I really am. I know it sounds silly. It sounds childish. But what does God say about coming to him as a child? Not as an adult. My grandchildren. I can't do If I walk in the yard, they say, thank you for Papa to come see me. It doesn't matter what they do. They're always thanking me. Always thanking me. Just, it humbles me. And it makes me think, I want to be like that with my Father in heaven. So thankful. 
so thankful for the little things. There are a lot of ways we can love God. Thankfulness is one of them. <clears throat> Second thing is we should love ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about being a narcissist. There's a lot of that going around. I'm not talking about that kind of love. I'm talking about the kind of love that's Psalm 139. Have you ever read that psalm lately? Psalm 139 where the psalmist says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If I go to the heights, you're there. If I go to the depths, you're there. If I go out on the sea, you're there. If I, if I go out in the backyard with the cows, you're there. It doesn't matter where I go. You're there. You're always with me because you made me. You formed me in my mother's womb before I was even thought about by anybody. That's what it says in Psalm 139. Read The psalm was thankful for who he was. He, he loved himself. You know, I think the reason people act rude toward other people is because they don't love themselves. Generally, the way you feel about yourself is how you act towards someone else. Do you know that? Generally, the way you feel about yourself is how you act toward others. And if you don't love yourself, you're not loving others. I know that sounds selfish, and it's not supposed to be selfish. It's the truth. And, and if any of these four things are out of balance in your life, it's like a car driving down the road with three wheels or two wheels. It's not balanced. Loving yourself is important. You need to look in the mirror and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what the psalmist said. Can't you quote the Bible about yourself? Sure you can, right? We quote the Bible about ourselves for other things. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We quote that about ourselves, and we, we love that scripture. But the scripture that says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, so I can't do that one. Yes, you can. And yes, you should. It's healthy. I've got a, I've got a dozen books on, my, on one of my shelves that talk about the power of our words over our health and well-being. Thick books take you a while to read them with research that is done on the power of the words that we have over our body. If we're not loving ourselves, we, we certainly can't love others. That's what Jesus said, to love others as you love yourself. You know, self-talk is a good thing. And if you start answering yourself back, not so much. <laughs> I've got, I've got several counseling slots open if you want to come for that. But we should love ourselves. We should love ourselves by what we eat. I know y'all hate to hear me bring this up because I bring it up all the time because it's important that I bring it up because I love you. I'm your pastor. But you need to cut back on the sugar intake. Sugar's not good for you. Sugar is not good for you. It creates inflammation. Inflammation creates all kinds of problems in your body. Cancer eats sugar. Loves it. So cut out soft drinks. They're not good for you. Love yourself by what you eat and by what you drink. Love yourself by getting rest. Love yourself by getting the proper rest you need. That's why God created the Sabbath was for man, not man for the Sabbath. It was created so man could rest. If you notice on the back row back there, Josh and Ken are resting. I just woke them up. They were sleeping. I heard the snoring going on back there. They said they were going to sit back there so they could sleep. I offered them pillows and blankets. Uh, I even got a tray table I'll fold down in front of them, and we can serve them sank of coffee. 
That'll wake them up. <laughs> love yourself. Learn to love yourself. Third thing is loving others. <clears throat> and I think all of you in this room are better at loving others than you are at loving yourself. I will say that. I've seen you in action. I've seen the way you help people and love on people and treat people. And I just think it's amazing. Thank you for doing that. I hear the stories and other stories I don't hear. But you folks do a great job on loving others. So I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Um, you know, the way we love others is, is by serving others. That's, that's the most important thing we can do, serve others. By what we say and what we do. Praying for other people. That is so important. Whether you're praying for them while you're with them, whether you're, you're at your house and they're at your ha they're, their house and you're praying, that's another way to serve other people. If you're praying with them in public. Uh, so this past week, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> this past week I had a, an evangelist friend of mine down. We, had, we grabbed some lunch. And he said, where are we going to go witness? I said, well, I'm going to go to my favorite store the man's store, because I love witnessing over there. And so we walked in. He said, who are we going to talk to? I said, I don't know, but this lady right here, I always talk to her. She always knows who, to, who we need to pray for. So I went over and talked to her and said, okay, we're here to pray for somebody. Who we need? She said, so-and-so needs prayer today. <laughs> She'd already seen him today. They needed prayer today. I said, where is she? She pointed to the other end of the building. I said, we're going. So my evangelist friend and I, we walked down the other end of the building. We couldn't find her anywhere. She'd gone on break, apparently. And so when we get to the other end of the building, we're asking this lady where this other lady is who needs prayer. She said, she's not here. She's on break. We said, do you need prayer? She said, I sure do. So we stood right there, the three of us, holding hands at the checkout aisle right over there in that building and prayed that Jesus would come into her life and help her in some kind of way. She was so thankful. She said, nobody's ever done this to me before. Nobody's ever prayed for me like this in work before. We were just having fun. When we finished with her, he looked at me and said, who's next? I said, well, I know a guy over here that's always needing prayer. Let's go, let's go talk to him. We couldn't find him either. So we prayed for some other folks. Yeah, just some other folks. You know, ministry is where you find it. Serving other people is where you find it. If you just open your eyes, you'll see it. Ask God, God, I want to. That's what I pray in the morning. God, who can I serve today? Who, who can I go minister today? Where do I need to go? Show me. And I'll get a phone call or a text or the Lord will prompt me to go to this place or that place and I just go and have fun. It's just a lot of fun serving others. And then the fourth thing about our fortitude, right? F-O-U-R, fortitude. Love God, love self, love others, and love creation. You know, the original mandate in the Bible was to fill the earth, that is, have children, and take care of it. Y'all have done a real good job filling the earth. Right? Good job. Right? We need to take care. We need to take better care of this planet that we have. And that means things like recycling. And uh, it means when you're brushing your teeth to not let the water run the whole time you're doing this. Turn the water off. Right? It means when you're taking a shower, teenagers... Teenage girls, boys, when you're taking a shower, don't take a 20-minute shower. Don't run the tank out, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. 
You're welcome, parents. Your power bill will thank me later. You know, of all the water that's available on the earth, only 1% of it is drinkable. And we recycle that same 1% all the time. Yeah, we need to be better stewards of what we have. I know of a person who goes out into his car, cranks it up every day, five or six times a day, turns his music on, smokes a cigarette because he can't smoke inside every day, five or six times a day. The car is just running with air conditioning on. He's jamming away. Nothing wrong with jamming away in your car. It's a great sound, great sound system. But that's gas. That's carbon monoxide. That's, you, you understand the problem that creates, right? Four things. A car with only three wheels is not going to run very well. And so to create a better world for you and a better world for others, we need to be better at taking care of creation. We need to be careful about the chemicals that we bring into our home, the chemicals that are in our food, the chemicals that then go into our body. You know, we need to plant a tree every now and then. If you've got space in your yard, plant a tree. Let me give you a little caution on that, though. Do not plant a magnolia tree over the top of your utilities <laughs> next to your driveway. <clears throat> magnolia trees can grow 40 feet out and 40 to 50 feet tall. And so at our house, somebody planted a magnolia tree right over all of the utilities, including the water line that comes into my house. Yeah. And guess what? Those roots go deep and those roots go wide, right? And so I've had to chop all the roots that are heading to my driveway this past spring so they won't tear up my driveway. Don't plant a magnolia tree close to anything. If you've got 40 acres, put it in the middle, 40 acres. Don't plant an oak tree next to your driveway or on top of utility lines, okay? There will be a problem down the road if you do that. But plant a tree or a bush or flowers, or tomatoes. Do something for creation. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on. These two things. And then Genesis 2.15. Here, I've given you creation. You guys take care of it. You guys take care of it. That's as simple as it gets. That's as simple as it gets. That's how God wants us to live our life. Wake up every day giving thanks. Love yourself in some way. Love others in some way. And love God's creation in some way. It's really that simple. Do you believe that? So I want to take the weight of religion off your back. <laughs> I want to take the weight of trying to measure up to God off your back by all the things that man has invented and say it's just real simple. It's water, it's sanka, you stir it and you drink it. It's just that simple. It's lemonade, it's water, sugar, and lemons, right? It's fortitude. It takes fortitude to live that way. Love God, love yourself, love others, love creation. Will you accept that challenge this week and say every day this week, I'm going to live with fortitude. 
I'm going to do these four things well. I'm going to take you four or five minutes a day, maybe 10 or 20 minutes a day, whatever it is for you, however it works out for you. Will you live your life with fortitude this week? Every day, I'm going to live my life with fortitude before God. Amen? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that it's real simple. That it's not complicated. That thank you, Father. Thank you for just making it simple. Jesus, thank you for making it simple and showing us how to live. Father, I'm so thankful that you didn't, you didn't create something that we can't measure up to. Thank you. Thank you that we don't have to do all these things and chart our life, our religious life, our spiritual life. And Father, there's just no app for that. Thank you. We just love you, love ourselves, love others, love your creation. Help us to live with fortitude this week. And I pray this coming week we would have testimonies to share of what you have done in our life and are doing in our life because we're living a life of fortitude. Come, Holy Spirit, man, just show us. Make it simple for us. Make it just so easy for us. Open our eyes to the things around us. Open our eyes to how we can love God, self, others, and creation. Holy Spirit, just help us to see it. May it just be so easy this week. May, may it be light. May it be easy. May it be simple. Come, Holy Spirit, and help us to live that way this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.